Lord, uh, I just ask and pray this morning that, God, you would give us a new vision for what it means to follow you. You'd give us a a glimpse into your kingdom. God, you'd peel back uh, the curtain of our own uh, ignorance, our own unwillingness. You'd peel back the curtain of the distractions of this world, and we'd come to recognize, um, God, we are sinners desperately in need of um, you. We desperately need God to be rescued by you. We need your love. We need your care. We need uh, to know truth. We need to listen uh, to you. And I ask and pray this morning you would, um, God, for us in, in our hearts and our deepest parts of our souls and our minds, you would block out the lies, the distractions that the world um, presents us and floods us with um, constantly. And maybe has done so all weekend for much of our lives. And I ask and pray, God, you'd create um, a space this morning here for us um, to listen with fresh, childlike ears um, and to see you with uh, new and fresh childlike eyes. God, we need you to do that rejuvenating work in us. Um, So please, God, take this time, take the words that I have this morning um, and bend them to your will and show us your kingdom in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to ask you a question this morning. What is uh, something that you used to enjoy and you no longer do. Like when you were a kid, you really loved it. Um, but now you don't. Uh, I've asked this of some of you guys as seniors, uh, maybe even more than once. But um, if there's someone next to you right now, just turn and tell them. What's something that you used to love doing like as a kid? You used to really enjoy this, but you don't anymore. And what happened? Some things you used to love doing when you were younger, they've lost their flavor, their color. Okay, Uh, I bet all of you could think of uh, one or two things, and at least... Uh, anybody care to just holler one out? What's well, something you used to enjoy? Legos, reading. What else? What's something else you used to really enjoy? And well, <laughs> what was that? Man, Tyson, I have no idea what you're saying right now. I wish I could. I, I don't know what that is. I'm, I live in a cave. Okay. <laughs> Okay, here's the deal. Um, Look, I have, uh, you guys, many of you know that I have uh, two two boys, uh, and they're at an age which is a really super duper duper fun age, okay? And it's this age where, um, frankly, they've been in for like four or five years because it's an age where everything is awesome, like everything. And you guys probably remember this, even as I ask you that question. You remember this stage of life, you know, from, I don't know, call it four to nine, okay, ten, we're like, just everything is awesome, and you just don't need much to make you happy. And for you guys in high school already, some of that's probably feeling distance. Like, that was a, that was a while ago, and, and, and you've grown up, and you've changed. I have uh, two boys who, you know, when you, they get something for Christmas that comes in a big box, say, from a grandma and grandpa, 
They unpacked a box, and something really cool is in there, like some new form of like construction Legos or something like that. And then they open it up, and it's a super cool thing, and it's like super, you know, state-of-the-art, whatever it is. That, you know, and guess what they play with for the next three hours? Yeah, the box. Because the reality is, they don't, the, the complicated stuff, it's like, that's cool, they sort of get it, it might be difficult, but like the box, man. And they're like turning it into a car, and it's a spaceship, and it's, I have, uh, in fact, my, my youngest son, um, he, uh, he doesn't even need any of that. My youngest son, uh, he is what we call uh, the, the finger guys, because um, if you leave him alone for like 10 or 20 minutes, and he still does this to this day, but he just, his fingers become people, and he, and he just, and you can hear him in the other room, For hours, like hours, <laughs> like all, all he needs is just his fingers become like a village in a town and, and like astronauts, like something about being a kid gives you like you, you don't need a ton of stuff. You don't need anything fancy to like give you sort of joy and pleasure and happiness, right? But you guys, um, something happens to us. Something's happened to you. For some of you, it's been maybe the last eight, nine years. For some of you, it's only two or three years. Where the stuff that you loved as a kid, the stuff, um, the, the capacity to enjoy things at the drop of a hat in their simplicity, without needing more, um, without craving some novelty, has maybe diminished in you a little. What happened? What happens to us? You feel it. I know it. Because I remember in high school, it was probably late junior high, early high school, but then certainly all the way through my high school experience, I watched this happen with my friends, one by one. I watched it happen in me. This demanding and desire for something like more, something different. There's this uh, passage in Ephesians chapter 4, 19. And it goes like this, um, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And it goes on to say, who've been darkened under understanding, but having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That word that you see up there, having lost sensitivity, the lost sensitivity is actually one word. It's a kind of a depressing word, but it actually means like beyond feeling. Like we're talking the deepest apathy. Like you feel nothing, you don't care, you're callous. Neither pain, and some would suggest with this word, nor pleasure. You've lost sensitivity. What are you guys talking about? Yeah? Awesome. You've lost sensitivity. It happens to all of us. Uh, it happens to me. It happens to you. There's this principle that also um, illustrates this really well. It's actually an economic principle, guys and gals. Um, and it, it comes from economics, but I think um, I had a, a mentor of mine in my life tell me this once. And it stuck with me, and I was like, man, that is so, so true. Uh, 
and it's really depressing. Here's how it works, okay? It's, it's called the law of diminishing returns. Now, when you say diminishing returns, returns means like something is being given back to you, right? And when, when the, there's a diminishment in what's being given back to you, it means that like the thing you're getting back from the thing you're doing is less. Makes sense? Okay, at some level. It works like this, um, and I, I've used this um, with some of you before, but it, it's like, think of it like this. Um, okay, if you have ever found that person or seen that person, maybe uh, that you find attractive, and you see him across the way, okay, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're totally attractive. And you're like, it would be so great to get to know him. And you kind of, it's like exciting. And then let's just say you take a, like you're in class and all of a sudden the teacher has an assigned seating and you get to sit next to him. There's like this electrical, full, overwhelming experience. Like, oh my gosh, wow, I'm sitting next to her. Or I'm sitting next to him. This is amazing. Wow. Okay. And then it's like, how are you doing? You like stuff? Okay. And you're, I'm talking to them. Okay. And they're like, then they talk back and we actually have like a conversation. And it's like, this is amazing. She's talking to me. Give it three weeks and you're talking every day in class. Is the experience the same? Okay. Let's just say that you muster up the courage. You ask her out. God on a date. You're hanging out, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, okay? Let's just say that you start being inclusive and hanging out with each other on a regular basis, okay? And you do that for like, you know, a couple months. Now, I'm not saying you don't enjoy the person, but it's just not the same. And then, you know, you hold hands. Sinners. You hold hands. And it's super, super, super thrilling. Again, the overwhelming, oh my gosh, wow, I'm actually getting to hold her hand. Okay, after you hold hands for like five, six weeks, yeah, that's just something you do. Yeah, that's just what we do now. You don't, there's not the same. So you have to do something else. You guys, we do this with a ton of experiences in our life. And what happens is the law of diminishing return says, like, the, the return for me and you, like, it's less. And something happens in our souls where this happens with not just, like, big epic things, like, you know, even dating and who you're, who you're friends with and who you hang out with. But it happens with super simple, silly things, too. So I actually asked um, a number of seniors about, like, how would they respond to this? And I'll just... Um, and I'll read, read some of their responses. I used to enjoy swimming in the lake, but now I don't as much, and I don't know why. Maybe I just expect it rather than get to do it. I'm not sure. It's not the same. I used to enjoy jumping on the trampoline, uh, but now I don't. I guess maybe because I've done it so much in the past. I used to enjoy baseball cards, but now I don't, because all my friends don't collect them anymore. I used to enjoy Legos, uh, but I don't as much anymore, because I lost my patience. I had way better patience as a kid. I don't seem to have that same amount like I used to. Here's Legos again. I used to enjoy playing with Legos, uh, but now I don't, I guess because I grew up. That's the sad truth. 
As I grew up, I found that I was not as entertained by the simple things in life, the little joys. It's hard to go back to the simple things once you've experienced more. So uh, here's the idea. You have these things that you love, and then you do them a lot, and then they lose the return, and then you move on to the next thing, and then that thing loses its return. And as you grow older, all the things that once brought you pleasure and happiness and joy don't do so anymore, and then you die. It's a beautiful picture of life, right? Pretty depressing. So, like, what's up with this? Why is this? What happens to us? Um, some people have said, well, stuff gets really tough. It gets difficult. I think a big part of it is the company that you keep. You have friends that make fun of the stuff that you enjoyed, maybe stuff that you're gifted at, maybe stuff that's super simple, that's a hobby of yours that actually you would like to do for the rest of your life, but because people made fun of it and ridiculed it, you stopped. I remember distinctly, um, like, this one time, and I don't know why, when I was preparing this and thinking about just, I could, I have tons of experiences, but I remember um, in graduate school, like, I love doing super stump, uh, simple, stupid stuff, and I'll talk a little bit about what regained some of this for me in my own life. Um, but I walked in one time, you know, we had a class break, and it had snowed outside, and I was like, this is awesome, snow, I love snow. I went outside, and I was making, it was like that, you know, that perfect snowball snow? Where it's like just you pick it up, you're like, oh, yes. Like just the moment your hands like grab the snow, you're like, this must be thrown, okay? Or something must be built. Like it just it flows over you, right? Like right away. So I went aside and I picked down, bent down, and I grabbed the snow. I was like, oh, man, this is perfect. And it just, I was going for the sign. And I was like, yes. And I went back into, into, um, into class. Everyone's on break. And we still had a couple minutes left. And I was like, I was like hey, guys. I was like, guys, snow, snow throwing contest. Who's with me? You know, and now granted, it's me, so no one wanted, maybe that's the reason. But the, the response of people were like, no, that's weird. That's stuff I did as a kid, man. That's weird, Goldie. I don't want, no, I'm going to do that. And they're like, some of them were just totally in the computer screen. They were just lost in computer land. I can't tell you how many, like, untold moments I've had. So I went out by my lonesome and threw some snowballs at the sign. What happened? The company you keep, maybe stuff gets hard. Um, I also think, you guys, what happens is this comparison business. Uh, I ask you guys a lot as my students, you know, hey, um, what'd you do this weekend? Uh, a couple of you, like, highlight, best thing, what'd you do? Um, typically speaking, your responses are, first of all, I don't remember, <laughs> even though it was yesterday. Uh, and yet, sometimes I have to admit, I have to stop and think, too, yeah, what did, wait, can I answer that? What did I do? But then the second thing that often happens is um, the, there's a theme in all of your responses over the years and years that I've taught students and, and sort of just ask them, just curious, I want to get to know your life, you know, what do you do? What are some things you enjoy? What do you like? And usually the response is something like, I didn't really do anything. Nothing. I did nothing. I did nothing at all. Now, it may feel like that, but here's what I think. I think this might be something like what's going on. Well, on the one hand, you know, you went to work. You maybe hung out with some friends and did something simple. Maybe you didn't hang out with friends. Maybe you were just at home and you're reading a book, playing some video games, and just chilling by yourself, by your lonesome. Maybe that's all it was for you. Uh, that's what you were doing all weekend. 
But then someone over here, they went to Florida. Or someone over here, you know, um, I don't know, they went up north and built a hunting shack, shot stuff, animals. Now you're sitting there, and the comparison thing, you know what I'm saying? You're like, well, that's not me. Guess what I did? I'm like, cool. So I did nothing. You see it? You feel it happen? See what's happening? It's this belief that, like, your life and your experiences and your enjoyments and the way that God has engineered you, it's really not that great. It's not that special because it's not extravagant. And then here's what I often find to be the case, and this is what happened, I think, when I was in high school. I watched buddies of mine when I was a freshman and sophomore who, um, they, we all had, old, a lot of us had older siblings who were like juniors and seniors. And um, those juniors and senior guys, they were going out um, and they were getting drunk every weekend. This is common, just classic. Like, that's what they were doing. And my, my freshman and sophomore um, friends, they were like, I, I don't want to do that, man. I'm watching what they're becoming. I'm watching what's happening. I don't want to do that. And I was like, cool, like a bunch of guys that, like, don't, they're not into that. And we were just doing, we were playing football outside. We were playing Frisbee. We were hanging out playing board games. We played board games till late, you know, Friday. This is freshman, sophomore year. We are doing all kinds of fun, creative stuff. You actually, like, you had to use your brain. Like, what should we do tonight? We came up with some really fun stuff. And by junior year... I lost them. Nah, board games are stupid, Goldie. We're going drinking. That's dumb, dude. Aren't you going to the party? There's a vortex. There's this swirling vortex of adventure, alcohol, substances, stuff like that, you guys, that the world wants to draw you into. Because in the end, you say, the simple stuff that I really enjoyed, that just doesn't have the return that it used to. And so I need something else, something more, something different, something better, something adventurous, something slightly threatening, something intoxicating. And when that happens, the capacity to go back to actually just living in, as real people in real relationship, enjoying regular things, diminishes until all you're worried about is not missing out. All you're worried about is being where it's at. All you're worried about is having that adventure, that experience, that thing. And if you're not having it, you're comparing yourself. Isn't that true? And here's the dark side, because it gets even worse. This verse, uh, having lost all sensitivity... This largely is about sin. It happens with stuff that's not sinful, but then we turn to sin because it's more invigorating, more interesting, more immediately gratifying, doesn't take as much work, doesn't take as much sense of simple enjoyment. And like, then we turn to sin, and guess what happens? It happens with sin, too. The more you pursue the lust, the more you pursue the thing, the, the material stuff, the more that you pursue what the world tells you is going to make you happy, the return diminishes on that too. But at least it's instant. At least it's now. At least when I've got two things that I can weigh in front of me, this one right here and right now will give me the instant gratification that I want. And then I'll be happy. Then I'll be cool. Then I'll be joyful. Something like that. 
But the reality is, you guys, um, the return is diminished on simple stuff for us, and it stinks. Like, I don't see anybody saying, I really, really um, love that I no longer love Legos. I love that I no longer love building simple things. I love that. I love that I lost all those delights. None of you in here, when I asked that question, you walked in, probably said, I am so glad I no longer enjoy those things. You lost it, and you miss it. And so then we pursue darker things, and then even those lose their flavor, their light, their satisfaction. Look, the desire, um, you guys, for new things is not a bad thing. Actually, the, 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 the appeal to novelty is part of actually what, especially in, in you guys as a teenager, um, that's actually something that's, that's important. Like, something new is not a bad thing. The question is, um, what's the new thing you're pursuing? Why are you pursuing it? What are you after? And in the end, can you, can you go back? I love the way this student said it. It's hard to go back to simple things once you've experienced more. And I want to share a quote with you. What, what can we do? Because it's pretty depressing. <laughs> okay. What can we do? Uh, it's one of my favorite quotes. Man, I've come back to this so many times. I just love it. It's from Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy. And he says, he says this. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. Man, you guys, this is me with throwing my, like the number one thing that has been a theme is like if I throw my boys on the couch, if I pick them up safely with pillows, so as not to harm them. I pick them up and I throw them on the couch and then they land and they're like, they're like, do it again, dad. And I pick them up, throw them, do it again, dad. Pick them up, throw them, do it again, dad. Do it again, dad. Do it again, dad. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like it's a workout. They would, I would do it again until I dropped dead. My boys are still doing this. They jump over, the only, you know, I can't throw them because I'm weak and as much, they're getting bigger, but they jump over the, the, you know, the arm of the couch. They jump on over and over and over. Children are strong enough for that. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may be, not be automatic necessity that just makes all daisies alike. It may actually be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. Every single one. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old. And our Father is younger than we. We've sinned. We've grown old. We've given in to the messages of coolness and comparison. We've given in to the message of like, yeah, I, I don't really do anything. It's not that great for me. And God is younger than you. Well, aren't you so grown up? with the things that you like? Aren't you so mature because of your experienced stuff? Aren't you 
so amazing and so great, you know, because you're out there experiencing this and that, and all these other sheltered little Christian kids around here, they don't get it, and they don't really understand life. Aren't you so cool because you're out, you know, adventuring? Those things, adventuring is not bad. Going and traveling, obviously, novelty, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, there's sinful things that are new that you're pursuing that are bad, but it doesn't matter. The point is we think that's where our significance and our worth and our pleasure can come from, you guys, and it's a lie. God is younger than you. It's a crazy concept. Perhaps he's strong enough to exult in monotonous small things, and furthermore, maybe he's strong enough to make you do that too. To regain like life and enjoyment of the simple. Paul goes on in this passage um, about losing sensitivity. And he says that's like the way of things. And I, I also love in this passage too this idea of they're full of greed. You see, sin never is content. It's always taking, always yearning, always longing, always needs more, always needs the next thing, always needs the next, the next hit. It will consume you. You will consume it until it consumes you. And its pleasure is diminishing the whole time. Paul goes on to say this, though. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Live as children of light. Maybe God is strong enough to exalt monotony and monotonous things, and maybe, you guys, he's strong enough to, to let you do that and empower you to do it too. Maybe it's that you're missing out on a whole lot of amazing things sitting right in front of you because you're comparing you're conforming to the world. You're thinking that you're missing out. You're thinking that these things aren't enough. And because you've given in to the lie that those things you once enjoyed can no longer give you fulfillment. So, what can we do? First, how do you live as a child of light? I'd say repent. Confess of the ways that, you know, you guys, we have seen sin and sinful things is the only thing that we can get pleasure from confess to god that like god i have sought for pleasure and experiences and joy in things that displease you and i know don't bring joy in the fullness of joy they might bring hap they might bring pleasure in the moment instant gratification so first of all repent recognize that like you've given into the trap that the world has set for you that there's only certain things that will give you pleasure you with me second um, ask yourself, guys and gals, what it is that, like, you really need to be happy. Maybe it's not all the stuff. Maybe it's not all the people and all the laughter of the people around you. Maybe it's something much, much deeper at the core of your being. Repent. Ask yourself, like, what is it that you really need? And is it maybe in line with the God who offers truth, goodness, beauty, light, joy, standing in front of you. Also, the thing about it is you become like the people that you hang out with. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Uh, the company you keep. Do your friends make fun of you for enjoying small things? Um, guess what? When I was throwing snowballs like that uh, 
you know, and I, was throwing, and I went in and I said, hey, guys, you should come join me. There was one of those guys in that group, and this is, again, it's a small example, but it was a theme in our relationship. And uh, one of those guys was like, no, and he even kind of, he made fun of me. And I was like, man, I'm like, I'm like in my 30s, like I shouldn't care about this. But it affected me a little, and then I also was just like, and then it didn't because I'm in my 30s, so it lasted two seconds as opposed to a week. And, and then I realized like, well, I don't want to hang out with that guy. The company you keep, if, if they're trying to crush all the things that you delight in, and they're trying to crush your delight in maybe connecting with God and in your faith, like, you need to, you need to examine that. Um, I think about my buddy, Drew, that I hang out with, um, that I've hung out with. He was with me all the way through high school, and he and I would play board games up till late at night and um, eat just, you know, um, simple snacks, and we just, we'd do that for hours. We get together every year now, and um, he and I, we do some adventurous stuff, you know, we go ATVing, and, and in fact, one year just for fun, we did skydiving. It was crazy. That was great. Here's the thing. We didn't need it. Most years, what we do is we sit around, and we just talk for four days. Two dudes, just talking. Don't need to prove anything. Don't need to compete. Just simple stuff. We play really dumb, simple card games and hang out. I love my buddy Drew for that. He doesn't demand something of me that will bring me further into that vortex. I don't demand it of him. Uh, actually, I think I thought about, as I was thinking about this, and I'm looking at two of the guys here right now, uh, a couple, couple months ago, uh, this is back in the summer, and um, we had a little time together on Lake Minnetonka, and some of the uh, teachers and I, uh, staff, so it was actually Wass and Benson and Vic and I, we were, uh, we were out just playing in the water, and we, it wasn't on a beach, it was actually just like t- three feet deep, remember this? And it was like three feet deep, and uh, it's kind of mucky, you know, that mucky lake feel, it wasn't particularly pleasant, it wasn't like sandy and rocky and nice, we didn't have a great beach, and we were just sitting there playing, and we started throwing rocks and, throwing, and trying to stand on our handstands, and we were just laughing, like heartily laughing for like, I don't know how long, and I remember sitting there pausing, that's another example of many, many, many that I could bring up with many people that you guys get to have as teachers that do a really good job at this, um, but that was a moment where it was like, we don't need something else. We're just delighting in like, like a bunch of kids splashing water and throwing rocks. Who do you hang out with? Do they find a delight in life in things that comes from a depth of soul? Or do they need something else? Are they caving into the things that are going to re- diminish and diminish and diminish? Repent, you know, um, ask yourself how you define happy. Uh, look at the company you keep. Are they able to encourage you guys in the things that, like, are simple, but mostly encourage you in your walk with the Lord? Um, here's another thing. I've actually had a lot of conversations with students, and I've challenged them, and I've said, hey, um, so what do you guys do on the weekends? You get together with friends, and they say, well, we go in the basement and, or something, and we just sit there, and, 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 and uh, or whatever it is, and maybe for physically distancing, hopefully, uh, we sit there on our phones. We're all in a big room. We just sit on our phones. I'm like, well, what's that like? Oh, I hate it. Well, why don't you propose something else? Like, I don't know. Go out and play basketball. Go sledding. Go tubing. Go. Nah, don't make fun of that. By the way, I've had multiple conversations like that. Don't make fun of that. That won't go over well. Why? 
And maybe you need to be the agent of change to step into that and say, hey, guys, let's do something simple. We don't need this other stuff, right? It's a very practical suggestion. Let's do something simple. And then when they say no, you keep pressing and don't give up. The second thing is, if you're the second person, if there's this concept called the second leader, if you're with a group of friends and they say, hey, um, they start engaging in a serious conversation about God, they start proposing something simple, you lead and step up by joining them. The company you keep, practice simplicity rooted in reality apart from your screen. I think it's huge. Go for a bike ride or a walk. Go back to Nerf guns, okay? Simple sports, board games, reading a book, working on a project. I talked to you guys about this for years, and you guys missed this stuff. Something happened. And it's not as if I'm saying simple things will give you deep spiritual joy. The only way to go back to enjoy these and be bold enough is if you're connected with the God who's strong enough to exalt in the monotony. If you're connected with a God who makes all things new. Look, your brain craves novelty. God will make all things new in you guys. He will make you a child of light who's able to delight in simple things. And I know this because it happens to me all the time. I find myself longing for the things the world promises to give me pleasure. I find myself longing for that. And then I realize, oh my gosh, that's a symptom of the fact that I've departed from Christ. I need to come back. I need to connect with him. I need to be rooted in scripture. I need to be praying for hours. And when I do that and I find spiritual life comes back, guess what? I open my eyes and everything around me, the daisies and the sunlight and the the sunrise and the simple football and the simple stuff takes on new life. Why? Because my soul is alive. I want that for you. I don't want you to be in the trap of the law of diminishing returns. Guys, God is strong enough to exalt monotony. And he's strong enough to free you from the trap of getting the next thing, trying not to miss out. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Pleasures untold. Let me pray. God, um, I pray and ask that you'd forgive us. Forgive us for the lies that we believed and we've listened to um, from each other about what it means to um, experience happiness to be full of joy. Um, God, that's sending for anybody here that's sent on a trajectory that's already heading towards um, a route of needing more substances, materials, more experiences, more things, and they can't, because of that, go back to being at peace and at contentment with themselves in a room alone because their soul is disrupted. I pray and ask that you would take them, take us, reorient and direct the course of our hearts. That, God, we could spend time with you and as a result of that come to find joy, deep, deep joy in the simplest of things. God, I need that in my own journey constantly, and I pray that would happen for these guys and for myself. God, draw us back to you. Bring us to you where the fullness of joy resides in your presence. I pray this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening in on our Encounter podcast. You can find previous Encounter recordings and who will be coming in future weeks on our Southwest Christian High School webpage, www.swchs.org. Click on Student Life and Encounter. Again, thank you for joining us. And until next time, keep your eyes fixed, not on speakers, teachers, or institutions, but on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith.